this is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder, James Boyd came to give them life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they kick it trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in. This on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit a talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation The power of this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Welcome to the December 26th edition of One Nation Radio. I am your host, Rich Latta, here alone this week. Uh, my co-host James is on his way to Japan. He will be taking in the uh, festivities for all the great year-end shows over in Japan live in person. So happy for him. Uh, and that is a really like a uh, lifetime bucket list item for any wrestling fan so uh james will be back on the show next week um and you know with live reporting from the ground uh over there so i don't know how we're gonna do the time zones yet but we're gonna figure it out um but uh, a couple housekeeping items this week before we get uh going so we were not on air last week uh we had a couple things go on one of them was the FOH draft, uh, which was recorded uh, a couple weeks weekends ago. I think it was released on Thursday. And my God, was it one of the wildest piece of pieces of audio that I can probably say I've ever been a part of? I went insane. I had two bottles of uh, the Vintners Red wine and. Uh, everybody else was on their various uh, choice of drink, and we pretty much gave it to the business uh, up and down, and uh, and people in wrestling media, and you know other things as well. But um, that was a that was a fun fun thing. Make sure you guys check it out over on the pay help. I'll have the link in the description of the show. We don't charge you guys for anything uh, on the show show all year around, pretty much. Some nice for for the holidays for you boys. Um, so it is a proud to pay model. So whatever the show. Is worth to you go ahead and um uh you know bless us with a little taste and um you guys can hear how uh, the voice sounds a little weak this week so you know what that means in the state of the world uh here i did get covid19 for the second time um this this or the second time last time i got it was in march of 2021 uh this time was much easier um, as far as, uh, you know, dealing with it, the length of the sickness and everything. Um, I want to say I was diagnosed about, or, or I took a test about, 
uh, about a week ago, um, and we did not do our normal mo- Monday show, but I wasn't kind of, um, you know, feeling up to par then. And, um, you know, I actually had plans Tuesday night, so it was going to fall through either way. But then Tuesday I knew I was uh, positive and, um, I'm a little bit better now, but it was not as bad as last time. I'm pretty thankful I got vaccinated. Uh, and you know, it was just a lot of sleep and, you know, a lot of, you know, just chills and stuff like that. So, um, you know, try to stay away from this thing. It's hard, but, um, you know, we're, as soon as we think we're resuming normal life, uh, it'll just come out of nowhere. So, uh, definitely be careful, uh, out there. So, um, but yeah, man, we've got some other stuff going on, uh, this week. It's the end of the year. Uh, I'm good now. Um, I'm pretty much going to make a full recovery. So hopefully there's no long term effects on on this uh you know thing here but uh james i mentioned is in japan um so i'm definitely looking forward to what he has to say about his experience i believe his flight will be landing from above uh in about four hours from now as i record this it's 8:35 eastern right now so i believe he will be touching down around 12:40 a.m. our time. So, um if I'm still up, I'll probably reach out to him, make sure he made it okay. Uh but if you want to contact James, make sure you send him tweets uh at jamesboyd 87 on Twitter uh and you know, he he'll probably be able to update you in real time about his experience in Japan. Um but moving on, um I've got to go over the 2022 One Nation Radio Awards. Uh, now, putting these awards together, uh, it wasn't as difficult, uh, I would say, uh, in years in some years past. But um, we definitely made some tough cuts, and I'm going to go over some some of each category. Some categories were pretty bare um, when you look at the resumes for a lot of these people, and um, I'm just going to. Uh, you know, go ahead and get it started here. Um, so I appreciate Bruce letting me know that the FOH was awesome. Thank you, Bruce. Um, we're getting a lot of rave reviews on the FOH, so make sure you check that out. Uh, Zach says that wine is dangerous, indeed, it was, uh, but it was very good. Um, so you know, it's a uh, the wine I was drinking, as I mentioned on FOH, it was called Vintner's Red, I believe it is a San Sebastian brewery. Uh, which is a Floridian wine. So if you can get your hands on that, order it. It's pretty dope. It's probably like 12 bucks or something at the most. So um, what we got <clears throat> here is um, our first award, um, which is our Shawn Michaels In-Ring Performer of the Year uh, Award, which is your best in-ring performer, strictly stars, you know, um, the the wrestling, what really counts. So uh, our first nominee is Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay's had an, an incredible year. Uh, of course, you know, uh, everyone has kind of compared this year to his 2019. I guess they're two sides of, of the same coin. I feel like this is kind of a runaway for this guy. His match catalog is disgusting filthy who can forget him rolling in the forbidden door uh what he did in the g1 finals with okada um the uh, matches with tessio naito that were incredible the uh, shingo g1 matches matches um with john moxley and um just you know what he did in the dome with okada which kind of goes forgotten at this point at the end of the year so uh Osprey is just, you know, in trios uh, rolling up to AW Dynamite and various, various singles matches that he had. Um, 
up next we had John Moxley. Moxley's had quietly the best in ring, uh, you know, uh, in ring year of his career. I'd say uh, just incredible effort, incredible uh, heart going throughout uh, the heart of the year, pretty much throughout the summer with the championship, without the championship. He felt really big this year and had a lot of great matches. Uh, Brian Danielson is on this list uh, for the time that he missed. He still was able to put together some incredible matches who can forget his match um, against hangman page for the aw championship uh he had um, some great matches against chris jericho um, great match against john moxley um and more great matches against hangman page um, his series with sammy guevara his series um, with daniel garcia uh, he was just on point in another way i know some people tend to uh, get upset about him losing as much as he does but um, i don't know when brian Danielson was ever someone that had to win every match that it's just never worked like that. So um, he's he's a great great uh, candidate here, I'd say. Kazuchika Okada, number four. Um, you, everyone kind of forgets about Okada, but he's just puts together uh, quiet great year after quiet great year at this point. Just <laughs> Tim Duncan like uh, excellence as far as just being there year in and then year in and year out. Uh, Zach is booing from uh, the uh, Osmar uh, Chocolate uh, Square right now from this. I know as I speak, uh, my man Brewhaven, what's going on? Uh, so uh, we are solo tonight. Uh, number five, Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, this guy is is a machine. He he stays, you know, uh, you know, just being the best part of the G one uh, year to year. Still, even I believe he's forty seven. Uh, he came to AEW this year and a couple high high quality matches with Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho and Ishii just year in year out. Also, just always going to be there. Shingo Takagi um, number six. Um, he main evented uh, with Okada in the in the dome, which was uh, I would say probably a career match for him. And he was kind of cycled down the card this year, but he was incredible against ELP and Taichi. And he actually turned in uh, making the the King uh, Pro Wrestling uh, Trophy kind of worth something. And uh, he had a match I want to say the other day against Taichi uh, that was on the JTO show that's getting rave reviews. And I need to check that one out for sure. I believe it was a five-star match from Dave. So um, definitely Shingo's here also year in, year out. Number seven, Shuri, uh, the red belt champion of stardom. Just you talk about a model of consistency and effort and just being on top of a promotion, looking like a a top star and just delivering against opponent after opponent. It is Shuri, no question. Um, And number eight, close out this category my girl Saya Kamatani uh the white belt champion for stardom uh first time she's kind of been asked to to step into a uh senior type role um she had a great match against Tam Nakano who could forget that one and um she's been holding that white belt down turning back the likes of Starlight Kid uh and she you know has really stepped her her game this year and just having some of the most exciting matches in the world if, especially if you like uh high flying uh her style really appears appeals to me so uh, go ahead and, you know check everyone out as far as you know what i think I, th- I think this is will's category to lose um number two could be you know anyone could be moxley it could be you know we got a lot of stardom uh, you know listeners here on one nation radio uh and stardom is growing in, in profile so you know people see shiri they see sai kamatani you know who knows uh, they, they might be able to uh get a little bit more uh respect as far as the voting <clears throat> so Apologies for the voice, as I mentioned, uh, still getting that back all the way correct. So I'm doing a lot of talking here. Um, 
Up next, we got the WWE Women's Wrestler of the Year. Now, this category is kind of bare. Uh, I would say we have uh, six wrestlers in this one, uh, and we're going to start with Bianca Belair. Uh, This is a very weak category, but not because of her. She is very, a very, very strong candidate, kind of stepped into a John Cena-like role, beating up entire uh, sub-division or sub um, excuse me, beating up entire groups and, you know, having great matches on big stages. Uh, when it comes to the big shows, Bianca Belair always delivers in spades. And, uh, she's just someone that I look forward to watching her wrestle all the time. Uh, number two, Becky Lynch quietly has come back, um, better than she's ever been. I feel like in the ring, um, you know, and this is after the child. So, uh, shouts out to Becky Lynch. Number three, Roxanne Perez. Um, so the new NXT women's champion, she's put together like solid matches on her way to winning the championship for Mandy Rose. Number four, I can't believe it. I, I just felt this was disgusting. I, was like, I can't believe I have to do this. But when you look at this year, this women's division on both shows, actually all three shows in WWE, these people are not coming to ball. So yes, Liv Morgan is being nominated by One Nation Radio. I don't know what's happened. I can't believe this, Um, but she's there. So hopefully uh, the voters do the right thing. Um, Number five, Bailey. I'm not particularly impressed uh, with what Bailey's kind of submitted, but uh, she is. She she could be in a different stage of her career at this point. Um, she you know was a part of some trios matches and um, some different tag matches. She got uh, she had a feud with Bianca Belair. She came up, but it you know it has been such a weak year. Even Bailey can get on the list for not what I would call a signature Bailey year. Uh, and then the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, uh, EO Sky and Dakota Kai. So damage control rounds out, you know, in their own way. But EO Sky and Dakota Kai are their own um, person here, and she uh, or that team is, you know, they've won the Women's Tag Team Championships and been, you know, a force on Monday Night Raw. To what degree, I'll let you decide. So, <laughs> uh, up next, we've got the WWE Wrestler of the Year. So, this category is a little bit better. Um, you know, when you throw the guys into it, uh, up first, we've got the big dog, Roman Reigns, and um, he's had just a banner year. Uh, as far as being everything WWE wants him to be, uh, as far as you know your mileage on the entire storyline and you know how, just how strong they push him, that's that's up to you. But uh, I think he's done a great job uh, in a, in the role. Number two, Seth Rollins. Uh, beyond the goofy suits, he's had quietly his best in ring year possibly since he's he's come back from some of his major surgeries. Uh, maybe like 2019, I'd say. Maybe 2018. Actually, 2018, I'd say. Uh, 2019 and 2021, 20, he just hasn't you know had that same spark. But something got into him this year. I don't know if it was Cody coming back that really reinvigorated him. But uh, he was having you know solid matches. Uh, you know even in the Royal Rumble against Roman Reigns, and uh, he's really seemed to kind of connect with the fans this year that are watching WWE. And I watch from afar, and I see you know what he does on the big shows and his uh, matches with Matt Riddle just prove he's still you know a, a good wrestler. And um, you know. I wouldn't put him in like, you know, some best of the world conversation or anything like that. But as far as in WWE, you know, he's as solid as it gets. Um, number three, the Usos. They've had the double tag team championships, much of the way Roman Reigns has had both men's championships. The Usos have had, have had matches with uh, the New Day, uh, the Street Profits, and they've just held those belts 
hostage so lots of uh exposure on the show uh doing lots of promos getting lots of screen time so uh whoever's monopolizing the screen time in wwe is usually getting rewarded number four Gunther. Uh, now, this is probably my personal pick. This guy has been a revelation. It, just like we all knew he would be, he's been great. He's WWE proof. His Black Saber Jr., no matter what environment he's in, Walter's a beast. Uh, I got Gun- Gunther written here, so no one's confused, but it's Walter. Uh, his mama named him Walter. I'm going to call him Walter. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But um, yeah, he's, you know, whether it's he's fighting Ricochet, he's having all these great matches with Sheamus, who will be talking about in just a second um he's the standard of excellence in wwe i feel like uh if he was you know challenging roman reigns i think i would be a lot more excited um about wwe right now but not meant to be at the moment number five sheamus uh a renaissance year for uh the fella uh he's just old as hell and you know he's sheamus has been I don't know what it, what it was, but he just decided to stop trying to have like the soft WWE style matches that he was having, which I guess were tearing his neck up and everything. And it was like, I'm going to just start beating the hell out of people and, you know, really going for it. And he's just been one of my favorite wrestlers anywhere. I'd love to watch Sheamus in any promotion. He's also another, um, you know, person that I think would translate well anywhere. Number six, Bianca Belair. Uh, as I mentioned, everything before she's <clears throat> took her game to another level. She's really become a franchise type star, and hopefully, um, she ends up paid like one as well. Braun Breaker in NXT. He's I go back and forth on Braun Breaker sometimes, but he's had the NXT Championship uh, for a lot a lot of the year. Um, he's uh, been asked to deliver like when it comes to a lot of these big matches and he usually does um sometimes he looks a little lost um from from what i'm gathering and and seeing some of the stuff they do with him like he's clearly on the fast track for them uh but i think it you know his, his year is good enough to warrant a spot uh, being nominated here carmelo a is number eight on this and he, the former north american championship uh he he held and he is a person that a lot of people that watch NXT are really excited about I think he on the main roster I don't know exactly what he would look like simply because of the height and you know as much as as open as Triple H is on some things uh, he's still you know he still has uh, you know and with the prospect of Vince possibly coming back uh, I might add uh, he has I don't know if Carmelo has that thing to make him really stand out um, because he doesn't have the size. So he needs to, you know, like, yeah, Bruhaven brings a good point up. Johnny Gargano is sitting right there. What are they doing with him? And this is a guy that we all assume Triple H loves. So um, Carmelo Hayes, you know, a little bit different in the package, uh, but overall kind of the still, you know, smaller uh, indie style wrestler. Um, it, but, you know, it's hard for uh, a guy that has, you know, had some of the greatest matches in, in WWE history to really carve a spot. So I don't, I don't know about Carmelo Hayes, but um, as far as the wrestler year, I think this is Roman's to lose. I think everyone's pretty much on the same page. Uh, but don't be shocked if the people that vote in these awards. Uh, don't be shocked if they reward Gunther, and I hope y'all do. I'm going to reward Gunther. <laughs> so. Um, up next, we've got our New Japan Wrestler of the Year. Um, we've got Tomohiro Ishii. We've got Will Ospreay, Tetsuya Naito. Uh, I didn't really get a chance to talk about Naito before, uh, but Naito uh, has had one of his 
best years in a while. Um, he had his match series with Kazusha Okada. He had a pretty good G1. Uh, of course, the, at the end, uh, he had a great match with uh, Osprey. He was part of World's Tag League. Um, he had a, another feud uh, match with Osprey. He's kind of ended up. Uh, he's ended up in Muto's match, the the six man at Wrestle Kingdom. But uh, I I can't. You know, I, I I like to poke fun at Tetsuya Naito sometimes, but this is not one of those years. Uh, I thought it was he was great, and you know, coming back from how he ended uh, last year, where he got hurt in the G one, just felt bad for the dude. And but he shows up, does his thing. Everyone still goes crazy for him. Went to Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame this year. Uh, so Tetsuya Naito was right there. Um, Kazusha Okada, of course, was the IWGP Champion half the year. Uh, dropped it off, and he ended up winning the G1. Uh, I think he's a easy pick as ever. Uh, number five, Jay White. Uh, now Jay White, I think, had uh, a pretty good year in the first half of the year as far as like being out of the country and really anchoring New Japan strong, rolling into Forbidden Door as the champion after winning it from Hokkaido. But after that, you know, he had a solid G one. And, but I don't think anyone would actually say his title reign is right, is lighting the world on fire. It just never gets more exciting with Jay White. I've said this since 2018. You don't add Jay White to something and it gets more exciting. It just doesn't. Um, and I think, you know, the, the sins of like 2018 are kind of coming back uh, to roost uh, for him, for me personally. But, um, you know, he's got his match with, with Kazushiko Okada coming up and it's coated in a block of ice right now. So, um, you know, I, whether that factors into your voting, that's up to you. Shingo Takagi, king of, the king of pro wrestling for much of the year, uh, as I mentioned before. Not gonna rerun it there. We had Zach Saber Jr. He won the New Japan uh, Cup uh, earlier this year, and he's just uh, he had a came to America, had a great match with Claudio at Forbidden Door, and um, he is someone that I've grown um, to, to like uh, a lot uh, as far as you know when I first started watching him in like 2017. I just I just didn't get it. I was like. He's so skinny and non-threatening to me. It was it was weird. Like, and it's not like he does like lucha libre to like really impress me like that. But yeah, so um, Sam, uh, go ahead and fill Sam in on on what happened. Everybody in the chat, if y'all could. But um, yeah, man. Uh, up next, the, we got the ace Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, you know, it's been. My highlight for Tanahashi was him coming to America and turning the um, crowd against John Moxley in Chicago, and everybody just be like, "Like, all right, cool, Hiroshi Tanahashi can be the AEW champion. Why not? I don't care. Do it." And he's just so great there. But I would not say it's a signature year for him. Uh, but I still love days. So, um, newcomer of the year. So, this award is uh, the first year in AEW, WWE, New Japan, or Stardom. I originally had Garcia and Willer Yuta listed on this, but upon doing research, I discovered that they showed up uh, pretty like in the middle of last year. So, they wouldn't have really qualified uh, for this one. So, we ended up getting um, uh, some other folks in here. So, number one, Roosh. So Roosh showed up uh, in AEW. Has been a a positive, I would say. Uh, and you know, out of Andrade and Roosh showing up, you would think Andrade would have been, you know, the person you didn't really have to worry about. But Roosh has came in, kept his head down, just decided to wrestle hard as fuck, um, and 
he's got a lot of of respect here. So uh, yeah, Reese, you uh, did the the timeline. It 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 does not line up. Um, so <laughs> Baylor Lasagna says the entire country has a cold, so no worries. Um, yeah. Uh, solo show that they're a negro indeed um yeah man um it Roosh definitely has killed it reese uh but yeah sam you're just joining us in here uh, on the live uh show so i did pick up covid last monday or tuesday so uh we are back in business here and uh, james is on his way to japan so that's why i'm here uh, solo for everybody's just joining uh on the in the live uh stream but um yeah, man. So we're, we're good to go, though. So um, number two, Kanosuke Takeshita. This guy showed up in AEW and through defeat got over in a way that was awe-inspiring. Um, I think his matches with Hangman Page, which is my favorite match he had, um, the Claudio match, uh, the two Moxley matches, and it, they just had this, everyone begging this guy to win. And it... <laughs> I've heard the likes of Joe Lanza call this like the greatest excursion uh, since Muto or even better than that. <clears throat> Can't wait to see what he does with uh, his new AW contract and everything like that. And, he is, and his reactions are going up week by week. Um, so number three, Roxanne Perez. Uh, she was in ROH at the beginning of this year, the ROH Women's Champion, and she ends as the NXT Women's Champion. I don't think there's really much more to say there. Uh, number four, we got Mirai, uh, someone that was imported from Tokyo Joshi Pro uh, and showed up in stardom this year. Uh, really impressed the hell out of me with her work against um, Shuri in, in the early um, stages of her run and then some of her hoss battle matches that um, she's had. She's just been someone that I've really enjoyed watching. I think one of my favorite matches of hers was her against Suzu Suzuki on the New Blood show. I believe it was a 15-minute draw. Uh, definitely enjoyed that a lot. Um, speaking of Suzu Suzuki, number five. Um, yeah, Suzu Suzuki is a superstar in the making. Write it down right now. She's 20 years old. Um, I can't wait to watch the rest of her career. Number six, Aussie Open. So um, this is a, like their first real year, like kind of in New Japan, and they've been sensational. Uh, they decided to just try to have the greatest World Tag League run ever. Uh, I watched a final actually to that uh, where they wrestled Bishamon. Um, that was, um, woo, I, I love that match. Uh, probably go like four and a half, maybe four and three quarters. But uh, yeah, Brewhaven, the disrespect on Bronson Reed, he's not a new person. Like he was in NXT for years. Um, but yeah, as far as Aussie Open, yeah, I uh, these guys are they are it. Um, I can't wait till they have a match with with, uh, with the Bucks. Uh, Brewhaven asks also, where's the Infinity Gauntlet people? Uh, they are where they belong, not on the list. So uh, up next we have the Dusty Rhodes Promo Cutter of the Year Award. So this uh, one is a, usually a loaded category, and it's usually an AEW category, and that does not change this year. Um, so number one, MJF. MJF, I think, has cut some of the best promos of his career this year and some of the most confusing promos uh, at the same time. But uh, like it or not, like he basically put um, – like the wrestling world in a death grip uh, throughout the summer and towards the end. And of course his work with CM Punk and Wardlow, he was just showing that he, he is a, a generational talent. I did not like the, the point of that. Like I thought that that LA promo was problematic in a lot of ways. Like it caused some of the, I think 
poisons the well, as I've as I kind of say on the show time to time, um, because it's just it doesn't really help anyone. Um, but I I really enjoyed the promo where he was uh, talking about being Jewish, and uh, I believe it was before when CM Punk came out with something like "Is it true?" and all this other stuff, and it was like he he really is like just someone you trust in like almost every situation. He's so great. Um, so the number two, John Moxley, uh, when I think of Moxley this year, I think of j- just his, him standing in the hallway, letting it off for a minute. But, um, he came out the night after all out and was basically like, you know, talking about he, you know, this is what this belt stands for. And it was just, it was awesome. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed that guy, uh, on the mic. CM Punk, uh, be my Valentine. That's that's a that's a great pro wrestling moment right there uh, with that guy. And you know we know how it ended, but on the way they counted on him to do a lot uh, promo wise to not only save a bad build with the the Moxley thing. They were like, "Yo, it's on you in Chicago. Figure it out." Now that promo doesn't work anywhere else, but they weren't anywhere else. It was Chicago, so I, I think we got to evaluate it on that. Um, I think some of the stuff with, with 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 Hangman I think was rather weak as far as like you know what he actually had to bring to the table for Hangman. But um, aside from that, you know, all time feud with, with uh, MJF. So um, Punk definitely week to week. You know in spite of everything, uh, you know, held it down. Roman Reigns is on here. Uh, a lot of people are really, uh, you know, fans of his work with the bloodline and doing, uh, you know, his basically is, uh, some of the stuff that's verbal, nonverbal. And, uh, sometimes these promos even come during the matches. So number five, Chris Jericho, uh, basically took the Jericho appreciation society, got it over. And he was, going toe-to-toe with Eddie Kingston, he was basically putting, you know, uh, putting it Danielson, putting it to Moxley, and coming up with all kind of kind of funny stuff, the Wizard, the Ocho, and just uh, Jericho can do a couple things great, or many things great, but talk and wrestle, like, those are two of them. Uh, he's definitely on the wrestler of the year list, and but he's definitely got to be on the talker of the year list. Eddie Kingston, number six. He's won this award two years in a row. It's going to be interesting to see if he wins it again this year because uh, I don't think he had uh, the same kind of opportunities uh, this year that he had as last year, but he... Um, you know, he he has his own charm, his own style, and I think he is uh, just like <clears throat> I can't wait till the day him and MJF are face to face. Yeah, Bruce brings a great point. He's gotten a number eight over. Yes, yes. Um, Ricky Starks, number seven. Um, he's you know been on a very very hot streak lately, which I thought this category would not be complete without him his his swag is going to another level he's feeling confident you, you can just see it like he's just got uh, like week by week it's like he's breaking out uh, of the shell a little bit more and uh you love to see that from, from guys trying to reach for the stars so um ricky's probably gonna be somebody we see on this uh list for years to come 
Um, number eight, round out this category, of course, Max Caster. Uh, Max Caster has wrapped his way to, to damn near superstardom. Uh, uh, you know, there were there was a lot of criticism for, uh, for Max and, and the style, you know, that he was doing the raps in. And uh, I always kind of maintained that he was rapping that way for a reason to make it real kind of digestible and palatable for the, the most amount of people that are in the audience. And um it has worked spectacularly for him. So you can't really like criticize Caster for not being like, you know, the most lyrical guy for not being like the most, uh, you know, adept as far as like just breaking up the depth of skills needed what to call yourself a quote unquote great rapper or anything. But, um, I could tell that he definitely has that in him and, and he doing what he's doing is a sign to, to me that he's able to do more. If, you know, if the day comes, uh, I like the rap battle segment. Uh, I think a little more than a lot of pe- other people did. Uh, but you know, week to week, every week, everybody's waiting to see what Max Hasser says. So, um, you know, yeah, he's great. <laughs> uh, up next, we've got the AW wrestler of the year. So, um, John Moxley, as I mentioned, um, this guy has been, came back from, uh, you know, his stint in rehab and he came back completely transformed body wise and he was just on a mission at least like the first like eight months of the year he was just like yo like he, he looked in the mirror he's like i know i'm in a group with brian Danielson, but i'm the best wrestler in the world like that's how he approached uh things he was an old reliable he was a great employee he got his wife hired uh this year he won the interim championship he won the real championship he's i think he's like the first three-time champion or something like that so it was a lot of cool things in addition to re-signing with aw this year he really felt like somebody that that really defined the promotion and it was was really cool to uh, see him. Like when I think about this year, I don't know if a lot of people will remember this because they don't really talk about it as much. But his promo before the CM Punk match in Chicago, where he says, "The you know enjoy this guy now, you know because after this he's out of here." Like that was the real shoot promo. Like we ain't seen that guy since. So uh, he, he told CM Punk he was broke. Uh, so he's not really going anywhere, uh, but just match to match. He's just been a joy to watch, uh, and he's kind of defined. I think he's going to win Flair Thez this year. So, um, but number two, you know who it is, the Ocho, Chris Jericho. I should have saved him for number eight on this on purpose, but I told everybody. Do not count out Chris Jericho. This guy's also a wrestler of the year candidate for Flair Thez. Um, depends on, you know, Flair and Moxley, I think, are two, or excuse me, um, Moxley and Jericho are two sides of a great coin. Uh, these guys were the, the two key position guys this year in AEW to, to really carry everything. And it just, I couldn't imagine what this place would look like um, without Jericho this year. Um, I am. You know, just as a Chris Jericho fan since 1996, I laugh um, whenever he just shuts people up or people just, you know, just get worked by him. He's just the, the man, the greatest. And, you know, this is another year that proves it. Number three, Brian Danielson, as I mentioned him earlier, um, he I think he's had some some character difficulty of late um, as far as some of the, the stuff he's doing in reference to bring up William Regal and the crowd just either going silent, groaning or it's kind of, you know, I, I think, you know, it's it's a little bit strange. 
but considering that he dealt with a concussion, he was, uh, you know, coming back and trying to definitely tell stories in a way where it was kind of just different than the American wrestling audience is, um, uh, is used to, um, you know, two months off still super year, like people would kill for, um, the level of performance he puts in, uh, in, in and out. Number four, CM Punk. CM Punk had a lot of great feuds, had a lot of great television, won the championship twice on pay-per-view this year, and he, um, you know, he flamed out in spectacular fashion, Um, but before that, like, he was just week to week, solid as fuck, and just someone like the crowd, like, just loved uh, in mass. Uh, There were were issues with some of the stuff he did, um, but he was, you know, like, like, like I, I didn't necessarily like love all the wrestling that he did. I thought some of it was a little dated and everything, but there are people that, you know, really enjoy what he, what he brought to the table. Uh, I don't think he's a uh, flair Thez candidate or anything like that, but I think he's uh, someone that, you know, just, I, I think, you know, him going away really hurt him and him getting injured really hurt him. But, um, he was a positive, in on on camera at least i don't know about you know behind the the scenes or anything so uh up next number five mjf he's a current aw uh world champion i think he uh really got himself to another level this year between the Wardlow and the and the punk feuds and the huge summer that was designed for him to go away and then he's come back in even better uh physical condition some of the stuff, um, as far as how they had to rewrite the entire angle for him winning the championship with the ring and Regal and everything has been absolutely weird. And it, it, it just, he mentioned it in a promo. It's like, how many things are going to get in his way when it's, you know, quote unquote, supposed to be his time. Uh, but he's got a good chance at, um, you know, just with his popularity, I don't think he can beat Moxley for this award. Uh, but I wouldn't be shocked if he's top three, uh, number six, hangman page. I think people tend to forget the first five months of this year. This guy was incredible. Um, when it comes to being in the ring, uh, and also drawing, uh, and, and in kind of his own way, like, you know, you put him on rampage, he was doing numbers. He was definitely selling pay-per-views. Uh, and you know, a lot of people tried to take, you know, his, his numbers and attributed them to someone else, um, all year. But you know, that's how the, how they sometimes do these things. Um, but his championship matches were just right out of the, the school of wrestling that I won and the, and the big match styles that I like. Um, I loved his match against Lance Archer. I loved what he did against Danielson. He thoroughly executed Adam Cole and beat, uh, the shit out of NXT once again, um, with, you know, that in Orlando, which is, is just fucking hilarious. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just bury you, um, in, in your old home arena. So, uh, shouts out to the hangman, you know, what him and Moxley are doing and setting up the second half of the year rolling into 2023. We're probably going to be talking about him, uh, right back here next year. Number seven, FTR. Uh, FTR has had a great year as far as um, in the ring. Uh, do not pay attention to your to their Twitter if you uh, have any plans on trying to like these gentlemen or anything. Uh, but you, you talk about um, when they show up, um, they the crowd gets really excited. It, it was a, it was a year that um, <laughs> oh yeah, just Dax's Twitter. Never mind, uh, I take that back. 
uh, Dak started a podcast and I don't know who's going to take the plunge, but I'm not doing it. Somebody needs to go ahead and, and listen to it. So I don't have to, so we can get the foolishness that's coming out of this. <clears throat> um, but as far as FTR uh, being on here, Dax did a lot of work in singles, uh, a lot of work in tag uh, divisions. Uh, they won championships, you know, for the IWGP championship, uh, the AAA, and the ROH uh, belts. They had a great uh, feud with the Briscoes, and they had to be on this list. Um, so uh, number eight, Death Triangle. Uh, Death Triangle has been the just a, uh, you know, you look at these guys and it's just like, yo, they're so great. Uh, they are the 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 B B side of the coin to the elite, and you know whatever you can expect from the elite, you can almost expect from these guys. And uh, they they've been like you know they were more than just a solid uh, hand. I'd say they were great in that trios tournament. They were great earlier in the year, whether it's just a tag team with Pentagon and Phoenix or what Pack has done with the All Atlantic. I think all three of those guys combining uh, definitely ensured their spots on this list. Now, the last cut on this one were the Young Bucks. Um, I thought the Young Bucks had a sensational match list, kind of a quiet year though uh, as far as everything else like it didn't just it didn't really feel like a young bucks year uh even though you look at their their catalog it's disgusting it's filthy uh but i didn't feel um you know that like me and james didn't feel like we could you know it came down to cm punk in the young bucks ironically um for this and i looked at it and i was like you know the young bucks ended up holding the championship for maybe two weeks or so i know CM Punk held the AEW championship even less, but they booked him to win it twice. Um, yeah, uh, but some of the Bucks matches were just insane. I was like, well, we'll leave the Bucks off this year. They'll be back next year. This is a goodbye for CM Punk, uh, seemingly. So you got one last chance to vote for CM Punk. So uh, the Bucks will be back next year, I'm pretty sure. But um, loaded category here. and go go a lot of ways. Um AW Women's Wrestler of the Year. So uh, this was a turbulent, um, <laughs> um, you know, uh, category uh, to say the least uh, with Thunder Rosa. But um, starting, we're going to start with Tony Storm, uh, the woman that basically uh, succeeded her uh, as the champion, and she uh, really had a had a fun reign every single week. Uh, c- coming out there, just being solid as fuck. Not the most exciting individual, I would say, like as far as like her personality or, or you know anything like that. But she definitely looks apart um, and just brings just a lot of credibility and be just being solid as fuck uh, in the ring. We have Thunder Rosa uh, here. She was the champion uh, from March up until just about uh, like almost uh, all out. She had to end up, you know, going away for a back injury and they ended up uh, stripping her of the championship. Uh, A lot of, you know, she had a difficult year, I think, uh, in a lot of people's eyes because it was like after she won, people just started like gunning for her heavily. We chronicled her uh, throughout the year on this, but I think she was still solid in the ring when you break it down. She definitely had good matches with uh, Serena Deeb, uh, Thun- or Tony Storm, a pair of those, if I'm not mistaken. And um, she, you know, is someone that, you know, Hopefully she comes back and and she's able to you know get back to the point where she was because she was really one of the hottest wrestlers in the world uh, when she won that championship from Britt Baker. 
So uh, up next, Jamie Hayter, the current champion, uh, fresh off uh, one of the best matches uh, in AW Women's uh, wrestling history, possibly the best one. Um, and she's like people have really wanted her to get pushed for a long, long time. She's been uh, a slow cooker, I'd say, and she really got a chance to heat up. And I think she. Uh, you know, is someone that is definitely worthy of the championship. She's got a great story with Britt Baker. One day they're going to explode. I would imagine they'll have uh, the championship defense. Then there's a kind of a story going on with them where, um, you know, uh, Britt is trying to cheat on her behalf. But every time she does this, like Jamie's really not aware. So something going on there. But um, up next, Britt Baker. Um, Britt has been someone they've beat like a drum left and right. So, like she had to put over Thunder Rosa. Um, she had to put over um, Tony Storm. Uh, she, she hasn't put over Jamie Hayter yet, but she's kind of helping her in her own way. Um, but she was the champion going into March. Uh, so she was there, but she's, you know, cut a lot of great promos, um, throughout the year. And, um, you know, this list is, is going to be real hard to keep Britt Baker off of this any year. Uh, number five, Jay Cargill had the TBS, TBS championship, but built pretty much created for her all year. So she's kind of been in her own world, but, um, you know, uh, I think she started the year a lot stronger than she's ended it. Um, but she's someone that still has to be on the, on this list. Number six, Karo Shida. Uh, my man Sam Brown put out a great um, tweet the other day. It was like, you look up a lot of the best matches in AW women's history, like those singles matches. You usually see Karo Shida somewhere in there against everybody. She's having everybody's best uh, matches, which is, you know, it kind of says something for uh, Sheeta has her detractors, which I don't want to meet. Uh, if I don't want to meet you really, if you're a Hikaru Sheeta detractor, but you know, I see, I see sometimes uh, just a lack of kind of respect for her, but um, you know, she was fucking great. So um, you got six people to choose from there. Up next, we got our stardom wrestler of the year category. We got the red belt champion, Shuri, as I mentioned, she's great. Um, just top ace run. Um, one of the best title runs anywhere in the world. Up next, we got Saya Kamatani, white belt champion. She's uh, really stepped her game up this year. Personal favorite of mine. Got Tam Nakano. Tam's just had a lot of great matches. You look at uh, putting, you know, being part of like the biggest feud of the year uh, with uh, Queen's Quest and Donald Mondo. And um, she's she just had tons of great matches, some against Nazapoy, some against Julia. Uh, and she's uh, the current tag team champion uh, at the moment. Uh, up next, we had Julia, the winner of the five star Grand Prix. She'll be having a match in a couple days against Shuri for the red belt that we're talking about, but this is really kind of like the year of Julia. It seems like everything's been uh just kind of built up for her to really like launch to the next level. And uh I saw a video of hers uh singing this Christmas or uh or last Christmas, excuse me. Um and she was singing it in English and it really made me um feel better. Um, you know, when I watched that I was I brought a smile to my face. So uh that was a uh that was a great uh singing performance for, from Julia. They might have picked the wrong idol. You know, uh, but all the idols on notice, you know, Julia is coming for you. Number five, Starlight Kid. Uh, Starlight Kid, this is, uh, you know, last year she turned heel and this year she really 
stepped up into all right she's not the kid wrestler anymore despite what her name says uh she's one of the best big match wrestlers in the world uh, just incredible presence and command of her character and her swag and like you know it all works from the music the presentation's on point this is a future top star get on board now mayu watani um just another Great year for my Uotani. What, what else is there to say? Um, <laughs> up next, we've got FWC, which is Kaguma and Hozuki. I've really enjoyed their tag team. Uh, I love doing the bear pose. And um, I think they have been uh, just some, they, they've held up the, the mid cards of stardom on uh, their big shows in a great way, whether in singles or, um, you know, in the tags. And then number eight. Natsapoy. You guys know how I feel about Natsapoy. Natsapoy sold her soul, you know, and, 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 and turned on her team like a sucker. But she's still a wrestler of the year candidate, so shouts out to Natsapoy. So up next, we've got the Bret Hart Steve Austin feud of the year category. So this one. It's a great category. Looking at it, a lot of a lot of great feuds that really popped off. Uh, we're going to start with the Jericho Appreciation Society versus Blackpool Combat Club. Everything that kind of encompasses Jericho and Kingston, I uh, would probably put underneath this as well. All the combos: Jericho versus Danielson, Jericho versus Moxley, um, Sammy Guevara versus uh, Brian Danielson, um, Daniel Garcia versus Brian Danielson. All these things are in there. The tag matches, the blood and guts. Um, this has been a, a, a faction feud. I only wish they um, had a, a a unit disbandment match at the end. Like I think they could have benefited from something like that. But, you know, that's a kind of Japanese thing. Uh, but I really enjoyed this feud. So, um up next, Swerve in Our Glory versus The Acclaimed. Um, you talk about two teams having one of the only really um, long-term tag team uh, or kind of like a within a contained amount of time tag team feuds uh, with their classic. They had at All Out, uh, and they took on uh, – they, they went and had a match a couple weeks later where they switched the titles, and then uh, they had the third match over at Full Gear. Uh, this uh, was a really, really important feud, not only for uh, The Acclaimed, which really got them to, um, you know, their work with Swerve and Keith Lee really legitimized them in the ring. Uh, that kind of like allowed to every, their stars, to, like their stars to crest, like the, the, the gimmick and the rapping, the scissoring, everything was kind of coming together along with the wrestling. So, um, and Swerve and Our Glory, you know, really did their thing uh, as far as making these guys. Um, and then this this feud isn't even over, but it had to go on the list anyway. We have five matches in the books of it. It's been incredible. The Elite versus Death Triangle. Um, they started at full gear in a match I gave five stars, and then they've just rolled out 4.75, four and a half, pretty much every week. Um, it's just these guys are in their sleep. They're so great. This had to be here. Uh, if if you're mad that I put it on here before. Um, the best seven series is complete. I don't care. <laughs> so let me take a swig of water for the working man. <sighs> Tough when you're talking and recording by yourself. Uh, I feel like Colin Cowherd right now or Bomani Jones, but even he has a producer. 
however um yeah man <laughs> but uh make sure you guys are downloading the foa's draft um shout out to sam um Number four, we had Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins. Cody Rhodes was motivated to have good matches when he went back to WWE. I'm sure he handpicked this one. It was like, all right, just put me and Seth together. Put us in our own kind of corner and just let us go. And they had three great pay-per-view matches uh, culminating in that Hell in a Cell match, which we talked about on the show. I believe I gave it four and a half. I think Dave gave that five. Uh, just a hell of a hell of a hell of a gutsy performance from Cody. And Seth was just like a, a evil deviant to, to him. Um, but they had a great feud as well. <laughs> um, we also got the um, number five uh, listed one here. Uh, uh, what do you think about them going back to it? I think that is kind of personally, I, if I see a dude get whooped three times in a row, I don't need to see any more. Like, I know they did the attack to write him out after, but. I, I feel like he swept this guy already, so that that's just me. But uh, WWE, they, they do different things than Rich Latta's idea of pro wrestling. So, But number five, which very much is Rich Latta's pro idea of pro wrestling, Sheamus versus Gunther. Um, whether it was singles, whether it was the trios match, uh, they had one of the best matches in the year at Clash of the Castle. I love watching these guys run it. I always, always kind of imagine what it would be like. Uh, this, for me, was like a, a an appetizer to what a Brock versus Gunther match would look like. Always want to see one of those too. Um, <clears throat> up next, I talked. To, I've been referencing it throughout the show, uh, but MJF versus CM Punk. Uh, this was just. I, I think there's like a YouTube video that's available that breaks down uh, this entire feud and. This is just some of the best TV uh, that there there has been as far as cutting promos, answering each other, promos face to face, leading to matches, and the matches were good to to a certain de- uh, degree, um, even great. Uh, the I love the entrance from CM Punk at Revolution. Uh, the Beat My Valentine stuff was great. The the kind of inverted promos that MJF were doing were great. Uh, shame we couldn't see the final chapter of this, but what even what they did kind of made them look like equals. So, um, yeah. After that, um, we got Cosmic Angels versus Donald Del Mondo. It's been a defining feud uh, in stardom this year. kind of culminated in a five-star Grand Prix championship, the race to the red belt between Tam and Julia. Of course, the big turns uh, with my Sakurai, and then we need... Um, uh, to also acknowledge the uh, the uh, split where uh, when that's what turned on Julia uh, Brewhaven, uh, we do not need that at all. <laughs> we don't need that at all, sir. Um, but after that, um, we had Kazushiko Okada versus Tetsuya Naito. These guys had uh, some great matches uh, in the. F- first or second quarter of the year i want to say uh, i think they had like a trio of matches in between like a title defense or the new beginning the title defense uh the uh the cup um the they had a match also so uh loaded category here as well up next let's have some fun i'm, I'm almost tired of doing the uh all these serious awards let's get to the fun awards which there are about four of those in a row coming up right here. So we've got the Savage Banks Best Dress Ring Gear Award. So uh, first on our list, we got the Young Bucks. So the Bucks just 
pulled out just new motifs of, of what they got going on, new logos and uh, kind of new style stuff, and uh, that I, I really thought was really dope. Especially the stuff um, that they originally they came out with. I think it was like Supercard of Honor, like the the navy blue and black stuff was hard. Uh, their, their red stuff is hard. Their their white stuff was hard. The pink stuff that was hard. They they busted out the 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 vintage Young Buck stuff at uh, Forbidden Door. Uh, up next, we got Swerve Strickland. Uh, Swerve is rolled in, and you know he's just like, "All right, I'm not wearing kick pads anymore. I'm not wearing traditional wrestling boots. I'm wearing these kind of stylish boots." And uh, the way he wears those, uh, in conjunction with the Jeff Hamilton jackets, uh, the the great uh, pants that he has with, with the logos, with the with guy with the dreads on them, uh, those. His gear is like he spares no expense on making himself look like a star, uh, for sure. So um, he's he definitely um, impresses me week to week with what he uh, puts out. Ricky Starks, of course, he's um, he's got a. a um, I have I have a problem that sometimes he doesn't wear backs on his shoes, but that's just kind of a rib. Uh, besides that, he's fresh to death. Uh, some of the some of the white gear that he's come out with is, is cool. I did not like the pants look for him, ironically, but everything else has um, been you know real high class, real professional. And um, up next, Satnam Singh. I know some people are lo- looking at this like, what the hell are they talking about? But y'all tell me when y'all see Satnam in them suits, Satnam don't be fresh. Whether it's the white suit, the orange suit, the purple suit, the plum suit, the gray suit, the black suit, the chat is going crazy for Platinum Satinum right now. So one in a billion. Satinum Singh had to get on this list. Um, so after that, we got Jade Cargill. Man, it... <laughs> Whether whether it's any of the cosplay stuff, which is pretty dope, but just her regular... Um, I think she's like... Uh, like I. I I basically like kind of subconsciously chose between her and Brit and I thought Brit's always had great gear. You know, I like the shiny stuff and her stuff always looks professional, but like Jade is just like, all right, whatever Brit does, I'm going to just do a level higher as far as like, you know, the the gear and everything like that. So number six, Tony storm rolled in, uh, with some new designs this year. Everything's shiny. Everything's sparkly. Uh, she's got like the black and red stuff on smash and, um, I, I would love to see her work in, um, like maybe like a, a, a primary, like white, um, type, type of gear, which would be really cool. Um, but whether it's like, you know, the, the, she'll, she'll drop pants sometimes, sometimes she, she comes in shorts, but, uh, yeah. So up next, Utami Hayashista, my God, um, all right, she's got like this Xena Warrior Princess vibe, or she's got like that orange and red stuff that she did. And you know, I'm not the greatest with colors and my vision and all that, but like her gear is always outstanding all the time. Real top superstar deer, uh, gear right there. And then number eight, Julia. Julia ain't met a look that she don't like. Like she can come out, um, you know, wearing those hats kind of like uh like the undertaker she 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 has like you know the the baggy pants look she has the braids she has like you know the long hair um she's got more looks in, in like she's like someone that has just a rolodex you never know what julie's gonna show up looking like um she's kind of someone that uh you would build a dress code for to to make sure julia um uh, 
you know, doesn't stun on you too hard. So, uh, love this category here. So the Savage Banks Best Dress Ring Gear Award. Up next, the Put 'Em in a Coffin Award. So this is the wrestler who needs to start over or go away. Um, so yeah, man, there was, uh, this, 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 this here is, all right, let's get to it. Um, number one, Dom Mysterio. I don't care that he's, he's rolling around calling this white woman, mommy. No, it's not happening. Give up. I, nothing to offer. Um, number two, uh, a guy near and dear to my heart. I hope y'all don't vote for this man, but I felt like he had to be there just because he's just, they just don't like him. They, they don't like him. Sometimes even great matches can't save you, which is like, you know, baffling, but Sammy Guevara, I had, I had to put Sammy here. Uh, I thought it would, would not be fair to the spirit of the, of the award. If you know, someone who the crowd wants to go away, they kind of got to get put on this list here. Um, I don't want Sammy to go away. Go away. I love Sammy. Sammy's had some of the greatest matches of this year. Let's just go through them here. Um, let's talk about the ladder match um, that he had. Let's talk about his match um, with Scorpio Sky. Um, let's talk about the three-way that he had with Darby and Andrade. Um, the match series with Danielson. His match series with Moxley. Um, this guy's been fucking incredible. And then uh, high-class tag work with Jericho. Um, incredible. Falling off the cage of the blood and guts. This guy was a warrior this year. They'll love him again. So, oh well. Everyone won't love you all the time. But, number three. Ronda Rousey. This woman walk, should, should come out with a... Um, she should come out with a dollar sign um, pointed on her or tattooed on her head because we can all kind of see it if you look close enough because she's checked out. She doesn't care. We want her to go. We hate her. They hate her. Or she, we hate her. She hates us. It's time to go. Like, it, I, 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 you know, putting out trash, literally, like whether it's against Liv or uh, against Shotzi, uh, against Charlotte, just horrible. Uh, please, uh, I hope Triple H just keeps dumping money on, on her um, doorstep. Just as a reminder that y'all might have lost Sasha Banks for her. <laughs> Up next, Karrion Cross. Man, when I heard they were rehiring Karrion Cross. I was like, wow, there's a clip of it. And I was not shocked. I was like, yo, Triple H, of course, is hiring this guy back because he was always pushed as Triple H. And it ain't working in a similar way. Um, it, the way much of the way Triple H wasn't working at the very beginning. Now, I don't know if Cross is going to flip the switch like Triple H did, but he's going to get every opportunity to fail, which might put him on this list more times in the future. Um, but he came back was regular degular against Drew McIntyre. Can't say I've seen the guy since. So number five, Coach Madison Rain. I don't know what Coach Madison Rain is doing behind the scenes. Don't really have room to evaluate that yet. But I know what she's doing on the screen. And when she shows up on the screen, I'm baffled, befuddled. This is not a major league pro wrestler in 2022. It's just like 
why are we doing this? Like, this is the 2005 ass, the, the most 2005 ass shit I've seen. 2008, beautiful people, like, lead that shit. Like, that shit. Mm-mm. No. Number six, Bray Wyatt, a man who doesn't even have a match on his resume. This man has showed up and talked these people into thinking something special was happening. And Bray Wyatt may be a better worker than I give him credit for because he keeps talking people into thinking greatness is happening. And it never does. One Nation Radio has been consistently correct about Bray Wyatt since 2013. This J.J. Abrams mystery box bullshit has no limits. They will take this and create anything they have to to steal your money or is to steal these people money um yes i I can't believe i have sammy listed next to some of these guys yes same as noah um but yo this bray wyatt shit horrible bro like i don't know if it's better that they're keeping him out the ring or not but you know (laughs) awful um go away number seven carl anderson What what's there to explain? Like you, you talk, you want wrestlers to like when you think about wrestlers, right? That that you want to cheer for. You want them to have heart about what they do. You you kind of want them to care to, or to feel like they care through their performances. You you want them to um, be someone that you can kind of believe in. Nah, that ain't none of that is Carl Anderson. He's coming out there and you said, I don't care for Hiroshi Tanahashi. We're about to have this 1.75 star match and I'm about to cash this good check, brother, and keep working this business into giving me money. All time hustler, uh, Carl Anderson is. Um, number eight, Austin Theory. Um, now, there are people that will go to bat for this guy, I think, pretty heavy, that are big time WWE fans, but. You just look at this guy, and I think the crowd gets a particular joy in rejecting him um, when he's juxtapositioned as a representation of Vince McMahon and his ideas of pro wrestling. And they're going to try to rework that. Triple H has been doing rehab on the guy. But in order to come back, you got to go away. So uh, that's our category there. Up next, signature award. You already know what it is, uh, play, you know, uh, in spirit uh, of you know, a guy, we had to break the rules on this, like the Jeff Jarrett Finesser of the Year Award. This is the wrestler who took advantage of their situations to get the most out of them, worked their way into big spots, who was the swiftest business person. And Jarrett already had the, we have a rule. We don't let people that have the word named after them usually into the ballot this year. But Jeff Jarrett, first guy on the list, we had to break the rule. He had to be nominated this year. So um, Jeff Jarrett appeared in like five promotions this year. GCW, WWE, NWA, AAA, AEW. Getting money from everywhere. Uh, the podcast, uh, the SummerSlam weekend where he's doing the referee job and then he headlines against Ric Flair uh, in his last match, then shows up in AEW. God tier level hustling and finessing and, and everything like that. Like, I can't believe like 
this man Double J does it again. We always talked. I always felt like he was going to end up running WWE one day. This man works himself into having like a an office job in AEW. It's it like once the Triple H regime comes in, you think he's he's gone. He's always right around the corner, ready to strike and with a guitar, holding people, hitting them in the head like. And I think my favorite part of Jeff Jarrett's year was that he beat all them suckers and jabronis and never will be's in GCW and never gave them wins back. Like a real worker. Shout out to Double J. Um, and then number two, KG Muto slash the Great Muta. This this is really a two person category here. This is Jarrett versus Muto. Who you got? Like, uh, and this, you talk about somebody being a finesser, this guy, Muto got that Russell, that, that Russell Kingdom night three main event, got to drop all them championships and not do jobs, man showed up in AW. This man got AW sending people to him for his last match. He's got WWE working with him, sending him, sending him Shinsuke Nakamura. He's going into new Japan and wrestling. He's just part of this huge, like political faction and Noah with the booker and you know just there's if there's a payday to get Muto can get it I don't know if KG Muto and Jeff Jarrett have ever wrestled a match against each other but like I need to find that footage and watch it if it exists please let me know um yes I I feel like yes he is a full threat to be in the Royal Rumble next year um he and man yes we got to talk about that Kaito Kimiya thing bro when he tapped out to Kai, Kaizo Kimiya. He didn't even tap out. He just kind of looked at the ref and pointed or something like that. This guy immediately rolls out the ring. This man looked like he had just finished sex. He didn't look like he was finishing any kind of struggle or anything. Kaizo Kimiya has to like run and beg him for like the endorsement. He just like shook his hand and just kept it moving. Like it was just, bro, like this guy, Muto, is like, and we don't even know if he's going to retire. He might be on this list again next year. Like he's, he's marketed all this under his last run. And the funniest shit is it's like, this is the great Muta's last match in new Japan. This is the great Muta's last match in this uh, company. This is Keiji Muto's last match in this arena and all these like weird qualifiers that they have. Um, it's funny, Muto's um, qualifiers kind of sound like those random ESPN stats. And be like, yeah, you know, this is the first time in, in 75 years that a pitcher on Tuesday is, you know, pitched 155 miles an hour and, or excuse me, like 98 miles an hour and giving up a single to uh, a right fielder or something like that. Like, that's what it sounds like all Muto's doing with all these retirements and finesse jobs. He's pulling, he, and he's still pulling more money out of Noah his final quote-unquote show in February, but we know how Muto gets down. This this could keep going, so this is the Muto and Jarrett sprint. I'm going to mention everybody else, but it's fucking Muto and fucking Jarrett. One of those two just have worked his business, finessed, conned, all that shit. Can't not hustle. Number three, Carl Anderson. You talk about a younger generation of, of finessing it's Carl Anderson. All the friends in the best places. Friends in every company to keep getting them checks. Got WWE to rehire them. Yeah, I'm holding a New Japan belt. Don't need to drop it. 
Why would I do that? Why don't we just work something out to where I go back for Wrestle Kingdom and a couple more t- times and not try so I can stay nice and healthy for these WWE house shows. So after that, we got Bray Wyatt. He's done all this, commanded all this money. They played that White Rabbit song for months and months, and it's led to no wrestling. I, I admire the the hustle. And, and all he has to do is just put out some bullshit or QR codes and just people just go nuts. Like, maybe everybody else is doing it wrong. Maybe Bray Wyatt is doing it correct. Number five, Mandy Rose. Mandy Rose was the champion of a show on national television for all year and used that platform to launch a fan site where she's going to become a millionaire off of that fan site inside the same year. What else needs to be said? They fired her and they said, it's either us or the fan site. And she said, fuck you. You know why? Because the job was already done. The platform already existed. And all they were going to do was give her more um, to spin, uh, you know, the coverage into, you know, whatever she's, you know, putting on her, her content site. And it's very telling all those years that she's worked for WWE. This is what got her $500,000. This is what got her a million dollars. So it makes you ask, what were they not paying her in WWE? Number six, Brock Lesnar. If he's gone, I'm gone. Please back up the brink truck to bring me back. Oh, you did? Thank you. Number seven, Triple H. Somebody had to benefit from Vince going down. Why not the game? Um, Triple H has got to... He's He literally got the easiest job uh, that has ever been uh, given in pro wrestling. We're not talking about someone investing in your company and then you got to run it from, from the scratch. You don't have to do that. I used to think Triple H had the easiest job in NXT before this where you could you have no responsibility to make money and you just sign the next hottest guy off the street. I thought that was pretty easy, right? But you get the biggest, most successful wrestling company of all time that has had 40 years of leadership from the same person who crashed and burned for a decade um, at a time. And what he did to walk in there was I just step into this job and everyone just, you know, if I mention the word wrestling, like it, the, the bar is so low um, for, for what he did. Like, uh, and, you know, with Vince going down and the, the shady aspects of that, it could be Triple H that set him up. If we ever find out that's the case, I think that makes him a great candidate for finessing his way into the chair uh, in WWE after being gone. Number eight, Rossi Ogawa. Um, Rossi Ogawa is definitely a finesse of the year candidate. If he's, if we ever find out, or we kind of did find out that he convinced Bushi Road to foot the bill for Sasha Banks to not use the stardom budget and then end up getting dates on her for that. Um, he basically balked at Sasha and was like, nah, that price is way too high. Don't really work for us. But then Kadani hits him up like, yeah, Rossi, we got this. So um, especially if we see what it leads to possibly with Mercedes, um, you know, like, yes, it, it's definitely financing because he didn't have to use his budget to do it like Bushiro did. So, um, yeah, the, that's our finesse to your award category. Jarrett versus Muto. Be there. 
So after that, we've got the Die Rocky Die, who booked this shit, Failure of the Year Award. Number one, Carl Anderson's Never Open Weight Championship run. Uh, number two, ROH in AEW. Number three, Austin Theory's Money in the Bank. Number four, Samuel, Sammy Guevara's Scorpio Skies TNT Feud. Triple H rehires. Number six, Ronda Rousey's return to professional wrestling and subsequent run. Number seven, Soraya versus Britt Baker feud. And number eight, Liv Morgan's SmackDown Championship reign. My God, um, where do I begin? There's trash on top of trash on top of trash in, in this category. That Liv Morgan title reign might be the worst championship reign I've ever seen. That never open weight championship uh, reign that Carl Anderson has might be the worst championship reign I've ever seen. Um, that that Soraya versus Britt Baker feud, if you didn't like either one of them, you liked them less after um, the, the feud. A feud that got no one over. Ronda Rousey subsequently just being as terrible and then possibly indirectly costing them Sasha Banks. Not, not much more to say there. There's a lot of a lot of bad booking going here. Um, that those WWE rehires from Triple H. Pfft, good God, um, where to begin? Has anybody on that thing made an impact at all yet? Like. Braun Strowman, like, what's he doing now? Um, you know, Emma, she's back. You know, should they have her doing the dance again? You know, who knows? But um, after that, uh, the ROH and AW stuff, it, it just like it was a lot of brand equity being wasted on ROH, and that was like a big talking point for a long time. Like, do we need this ROH stuff like in AW? And a lot of people would say, hey, it's just three letters. Yes, it is three letters, but it's not the three letters everyone came for, no matter how you, how you slice it. So, uh, in the Scorpio Sky, Sammy Guevara, TNT feud, that was just, like, bad for both of those guys. Um, it was it was just, you know, a lot. Uh, Br- Br- uh, Seamus Nova brings out, how many times do we have to see Warlow get his ass jumped by the embassy? Exactly. Um, and then that Austin Theory, Money in the Bank run, bro. He won it like a coward. He lost it like a dumbass, and then in between it, every time he tried to do it, he looked like a bitch. So I don't know if that there's been anybody that money in the bank briefcase has been more of a deterrent to. So um, yeah, that's that category. Gimmick of the year, the best vehicle to get over. We've got um, Chris Jericho being a sports enter- entertainer, MJF disgruntled employee, the acclaimed scissoring, Unagi Sayaka. The Assessor, Sammy, Sammy Zayn being the honorary Oos. Number six, Jake Hager. He likes his hat. Number seven, Ren Narita being Katsuyori Shibata. And Seth Rollins just wearing bad suits. So, um, I don't know um, who's going to win this. Um, you know, I think I think Jericho, my hat is in a bag. Um, there's also uh, Sammy Zayn with the honorary Oos stuff. Um, off the, an off-the-board pick kind of would be the Assessor from Unagi Sayaka. is just hilarious. <coughs> we've got some fashion-based stuff between Hager and Rollins. We've got some ironic shit with, yes, Narita just being a Shibata clone, um, but MJF being a disgruntled employee, I don't think anybody's really categorized him as that. Uh, I'm interested to see how people take to that labeling. <sighs> Ooh. It is tough to... <laughs> talk this much but um 
WWE match of the year. We got Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes, Hell in a Cell. Number two, Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch, WrestleMania 38. Number three, Gunther versus Sheamus at Clash of the Castle. Number four, Logan Paul versus Ricochet at Crown Jewel. Number five, Ricochet versus Gunther from last week on SmackDown. And number six, the good old-fashioned Donnybrook between Imperium and the Brawling Brutes. Um, I think WWE had a solid year on the on pay-per-view. Yeah, we got six really good matches to pick from here. So it will all depend on what you value. Do you like a big slugfest? Do you like a slugfest with many people? Do you like uh, big versus small? Do you like speed versus size? Do you like kind of like uh, just like a... Uh, a psychological kind of kind of war with um, uh, Cody and Seth. Uh, so you know, Gunther uh, is in here three times, so you guys can tell kind of what my tastes are like. Um, but yeah, number eight, or excuse me, um, our next category is the AW match of the year. We got eight matches. Uh, we got Will Osprey versus Orange Cassidy from Forbidden Door, one of the most electric matches all year. We got FTR versus the Young Bucks. Uh, a match that did happen despite um, the best efforts of FTR and on. Um, you know, uh, a match that FTR won clean in the middle on national television. Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, we got the Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros from Rampage in Ontario, California on Rampage in June. Incredible match. Uh, number four, Hangman Page versus Brian Danielson, part two. First TBS Dynamite for the AW Championship. <coughs> we got Swerve in Our Glory versus the Acclaim 1 from All Out. We got the Elite versus United Empire in the Trios Tournament, um, which were Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay came face-to-face for the first time. Number seven, the week before that, was Death Triangle versus United Empire, a match arguably people liked more than, um, you know, the the last one, um, I, last match I named. So United Empire sneaking on here twice with Will Ospreay in three different matches. Uh, this guy's incredible. Um, and then the Elite versus Death Triangle won um, from All Out, a match, or excuse me, um, from Full Gear. Uh, so there's a lot of, like, I, I left the Young Bucks off of the, um, the 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 wrestler of the year list, but let's see, FTR versus Young Bucks, Young Bucks versus Lucha Bros, Elite versus United Empire, Elite versus Death Triangle. The Young Bucks are well represented where it counts. And so, um, yeah, man, uh, this is a loaded category. You can pick from a lot of stuff. Um, that that Osprey and Cassidy match was just sensational at the time. Page versus Danielson. We talk about a world title match, and where. Um, Hangman was in that reign and what he needed that match to be that was just a very special match uh, I feel like everybody was rooting for Hangman Page by that point to win Swerving Our Glory and the Acclaimed uh, this was just the, one of the first like non like a match without you know the first time we saw some teams really grab I won't say that, I won't say that. <coughs> we've seen great matches from um, like best friends and proud and powerful and stuff like that but on a pay-per-view for the championships outside of like the young bucks lucha bros division we never haven't really you know seen it <coughs> like like that and these guys <coughs> they just i don't know what happened but it was like a flip a switch was flipped in the middle of that match once bowens got the um, like once they got the knee going on, it was just the the atmosphere changed, and 
this is a swerve masterpiece in this match. Um, yeah, Moxley and Weirdly Yuta was honorable mention. Uh, so was uh, John Moxley versus Chris Jericho. Um, <coughs> both of those matches, sensational in their own way, but we had to cut down to eight. And this is a competitive, competitive uh, 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 category here. So, you know, look at that AEW uh, match guide on um, uh, Cage Match for this year. It is tough. And this like kind of really like these matches kind of like spoke to, you know, what what our idea of what the best of AEW was. But it, there might be somebody that has a whole different list. So um, this is just, you know, kind of what we thought. Up next, we got the start of match of the year. Number one, Mayu Watani versus Julia. Two, Starlight Kid versus Azumi, high speed match from February. Tam Nakano versus Natsupoy in the cage match. Sam Nakano versus Julia <coughs> in the Grand Prix final. Shuri versus Utami, the Red Belt match in October. Mayu Watani versus Kyrie, the IWGP Women's Title Finals. Number seven, Sai Kamatani versus Tam Nakano. And something that has never been done on One Nation Radio, which, I mean, I feel like if we're going to ever do this for anybody, we're putting a match on here that hasn't even happened yet. Shuri versus Julia. From Stardom Queendom, Dream Queendom, that is happening three days from now. We left it a spot there. We have a match alternate ready to go if if it does not deliver to that level. But initially, we're showing that respect to Shuri versus Julia in that spot. And um, I hope you guys don't think that's goofy. If not... We'll see in three days. We'll see who's right in three days. So... <clears throat> pay-per-view of the year we have seven in this category so this is this is a little weird here but uh we got number one uh aw in new japan's forbidden door two wwe clash at the castle three aw revolution four aw full gear five the start of grand prix final six wrestlemania 38th day one and number seven historic crossover <clears throat> so Looking at it up and down, this is just a stacked field, big shows in big stadiums or very excited stadiums. <clears throat> Hot crowds rule the day on this one, except historic crossover, which is, you know, they had a clap crowd environment, but, you know, people were into it. Um, my personal picks will probably be I, I was in person at Revolution. I thought that was a sensational show. I think Forbidden Door kind of has the. Uh, has has the pole position here, but don't sleep on Clash of the Castle. I thought that was a really solid show from WWE. Just hell of an environment. Uh, the entrance tunnels just kind of being looking like boxing, um, and just seeing how how you want a big show to look in WWE. That was it. Number seven or up next, um, the moment of the year. Ricky Starks does his promo on MJF. Number two, MJF's work shoot promo in LA. Uh, number three, John Moxley squashes CM Punk for the AEW title. Number four, the Elite return at AEW Full Gear. Number five, Stone Cold unretires on the fly in the main event of WrestleMania. Six, a tractor at SummerSlam. Number seven, Cody shows his torn peck before Hell in a Cell. Number eight, Natsapoy joins Cosmic Angels. <clears throat> lot of stuff on here you got promos you've got shock stuff 
you've got uh, returns, you've got just wild events as far as like with the tractor, you got betrayals, um, you've got just pure nastiness with that torn pectoral muscle from Cody. That could have easily been Cody's return at WrestleMania. You could do that too, but I thought this was just more of a visceral kind of pro wrestling thing. Um, if I'm looking at it, I'm looking at Mox Squash and CM Punk for the AW title personally. I remember like thinking that was just one of the most electric things I had ever seen in the history that I've ever watched uh, as a fan. So a lot of different ways that one could go. Up next, we got the creative success of the year. That one right there is um, going to be between Jazz versus the BCC. Number two, the Bloodline storyline. Three, the Acclaimed Tag Team title run. Four, the Best of Seven Trios feud. Five, the Trios title tournament. And six, Gunther is the IC champion. Um, these have all been great things on this list. Um, for even though, like the we, we let the bloodline storyline kind of have it on FOH. Those are personal things we find uh, you know wrong with the storyline. But I think for you know a lot of people that watch WWE, I think you, you gotta quote unquote acknowledge how that uh, thing is making them feel. So between Jazz and uh, the BCC, that has just been a masterclass in long-form storytelling, just up and down each side. Everybody's worked with each other uh, really great. Uh, the Acclaims tag team title run from, you know, just wrapping our way to it, uh, going, you know, from feuding with the Ass Boys and really getting over heavy in that to the Swerve in Our Glory feud, and even, you know, in, in the outset of that, They've just felt like real, real stars that AEW have needed. And it's a really cool thing to see where those guys started and and where they're at now. Uh, The best of seven has been incredible. It spawned all the NBA memes, which I was proud to be a part of. And um, it ended up leading to Tony Khan paying for the NBA on NBC Music, which was feather i'd say in my cap but um and you know many others but uh the best seven has been incredible um so far can't wait to uh see the falls count anywhere match this week as well as the escalera de la muerte uh which will be the latter match in la nbaw um and then the trios title tournament if you look at the tournaments in aw history this is a great argument that this is the best one they've ever done um, you got United Empire coming in for a couple matches. You got Death Triangle in there. You got the Elite in there. You got Dark Order rolling in with Hangman, um, and him subbing in at the at the end. Like that tournament was sensational. And then number six, Gunther is the IC champion. That uh, we talk about people. Uh, we always hear, "Hey, when's the, when's someone going to bring the IC championship back? When are they going to make that feel important?" Man. Gunther feels so much bigger than the Intercontinental Championship. It's not funny, but that IC Championship is with him in all these these great uh, performances. I was so happy when that match happened against Sheamus in like the UK, essentially in Scotland, like that we could finally like let Bret Hart versus the British Bulldog kind of like go as far as like you know an intercontinental championship match that happens way the fuck over there uh that has a lot of critical acclaim it's like yo it's time for the new one to kind of get that love and uh gunther has just been like what like what more do you want from this guy in wwe like i think he's the best wrestler there so um and up next the final award 
the IWC Award, the biggest internet controversy. I hate having this award named the IWC Award. It's such a vestige of like 10 years ago, which is ironically when we started One Nation Radio, but you know, the award, the name is the name. All right, y'all know what it is. Number one, Vince McMahon resigns in disgrace. Number two, CM Punk versus The Elite. Three, Cody leaves AEW. Four, Sasha and Naomi walk out of WWE. Five, FTR crying while holding three championships. Six, MJF. Seven, Mandy Rose fired for fan site. Number eight, William Regal's AEW departure. These are all things that drove a lot of clicks, a lot of conversation, and a lot of people that just didn't know how to respond to a lot of it. So they acted out of character in unbecoming ways. Um, I think this is Vince McMahon's award to lose. Vince McMahon resigned in disgrace, the biggest news in, of the year, for sure. Um, I, I, you know, there are going to be people that vote for CM Punk versus the Elite in this. Um, Cody left AW. Like, we did so much Cody coverage up to him leading leaving AW. It's, like, amazing that it worked out in a way almost to where we said it did like he needed to be back in wwe and what happened he kind of was bigger than ever and, and having you know better performances than ever and could easily just slot into doing you know what he was kind of meant to do um and it didn't have to hold up aw anymore uh sasha and naomi walking out of wwe the subsequent s- smear job that they did with um that whole thing I don't think people can should really forget that, and it's a um, it, it's something that people will sweep under the rug. They'll not mention it. It's disgusting how they treated them on the way out. Um, FDR doing all the crying while holding three championships. Of course, that birthed as James um, mentioned the FDR and on. Um, they, these people have have convinced fans that matches that happened on national television didn't happen. Um, it was it was a lot, you know, of Dax acting out on Twitter, campaigning for Wrestler of the Year while l- listing a bunch of three and a half star matches. It was just like, yo, man, you got to step back, bro. Um, MJF, everything regarding him. People being uh, excited that he may be trying to stick it to AEW. Uh, a lot of like people, you know, and during over the summer is just like just couldn't stop talking about the guy, um, and he's just been walking controversy ever since the day before Double or Nothing. He's leaned heavy in this shoot thing, and we mentioned when it comes to AEW. Um, people will believe anything about AEW if it's said in like a work shoot promo. Th- they're they're getting worked, but they're hoping is a shoot. That's that's what you know is going on here. So um, it, it's a lot with MJF. Uh, he goes back and forth. I, I love him as a performer. I think he's um, you know just somebody that you know for how old he is has skills way beyond his years. One of the brightest stars in in pro wrestling. But there's a lot of stuff that that goes along with trying to do that Pillman shit, and a lot of it ain't good. So um, Mandy Rose, we was saw that the last couple of weeks, and the effect that's had. That Regal stuff from AW is nasty. There's there's a tampering aspect to it. There's how they had to rebook all this shit on the fly. There's like the the distaste kind of for the NXT and you know stuff that came in AW throughout the year and. and People being happy he was gone. People were um, cheering that that you know 
he got what's coming to him. People that you know that liked Regal. Uh, there's like a lot of stuff with that, and I don't. I thought the whole storyline at the end was kind of designed to make him look smart, but you know that's just my opinion. Um, and Cody leaving AEW that was that was huge. He's a founding father of the promotion and left, and it was almost like once he got rolled back into WWE. For a lot of us, he didn't really exist outside of like you know a pay per view match here and there, and he came back uh, to WWE and essentially just imported everything he was already doing, but dropped you know he, he left kind of like the worst parts of the act out. Um, Brandy was not there. Uh, Arn Anderson was not there as the babyface manager. Uh, the American flag. Like the the racism promos were not there. Uh, this was like more of a focused Cody thing. Uh, but be aware, um, if Cody gets into a place like we we've seen Cody take this act on the road before, essentially, and it ends up kind of like the same. Like I think he's you know, if if he's not the person to beat Roman Reigns, and he's got to figure out like what the pivot is like he's he's got got to not be afraid to, to turn or you know he's got to dig in deeper um and i think he's got a less volatile crowd because the aw crowd wanted a lot of things that cody wasn't giving them and you know i i think he made the right decision for himself uh and his family and his career um and i think you know, best luck to him. So, uh, but yeah, those are all the awards this year. Um, uh, work hard on those. Uh, shouts out to James. We were on the phone. Um, I think it was Saturday night, just putting all this together for you guys. Uh, these awards will be out um, shortly. Uh, I, all I have to do is click the button to make it go live. So by the time you hear this show, um, you guys will have, um, those, uh, the ability to vote and I'll have the link, um, inside of the show sheet, but um, after that, we had we're gonna switch gears and jump over to uh, AW Dynamite uh, from this past uh, Wednesday. I believe they were in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, we, it was match five between the Elite and Death Triangle. Two real great things on the show. The Elite and Death Triangle match. I'll probably give that one four and a half stars, as well as the Jamie Hader and Carl Sheeta match. Just fucking sensational um, between those those ladies. I'd also probably give that four and a half stars. Um, uh, we got a setup of a few between Ricky Starks and Chris Jericho. Ricky Starks really coming into his own on the microphone. Uh, told Chris Jericho he's built. He used to be built like an air fryer, um, and really like you know he did it in a, in a smart way because he was like, yo, you used to look like that, and now you come out here, you know, looking good and all this stuff. So I kind of like how he did that. He ended up putting the man over and in after clowning him. Um, and they, they set that up. Uh, there's a big brawl that breaks out. Actually, Andretti gets back involved, kind of following up on that thing uh, with last week. Um, and, you know, I, as I kind of predicted off air in different forms, I figured Starks would be with Jericho next. Um, this is going to give Starks a lot of opportunity to be on the mic, to be on the show, and to... Uh, you know, really get to it in the ring. And he's going to, if it's like, if it fits the profile of a lot of other Jericho feuds, he's going to get in there with Sammy. He's going to get in there with uh, Daniel Garcia. He's probably going to get in there with 2.0 at some point to do something, or he's going to have some type of juxtaposition with them and Hager. 
Uh, they're the Jazz is a great group to play off of, and Starks, uh, you know, coming from the the world title match, needed somewhere strong to end up. And Jericho is a good as p- pick as any. He knows the the job, or he knows what's at stake here, and this is going to help Ricky a great deal. And they set up uh, Jericho and Starks on uh, January fourth. So after that, we got the Elite uh, taking on the Death Triangle. Weapons everywhere. Um, they did uh, a hell of a match here. Uh, you know, flip, flipping out of power bombs, lots of super kicks. Uh, the elite did doing the triple dives. Uh, they had some Christmas hijinks with Nakazawa, Cutler um, dresses an elf. Uh, Alex Abrahante is getting in the match. Um, we had the T-shirt Kenny and T-shirt Bucks. They had new gear that they were kind of marketing and putting out there and, and ready for war. And the and Falls Count Anywhere match, and it, the crowd was just going nuts for this. Um, you know, if if you're one of these, you see some of these people be like, "Yo, it's the same match they're having over and over again." They're not watching the show. They have a they have a hatred for the elite and Death Triangle. Um, but these guys are doing all different shit every every time. The arenas are going fucking nuts for this still. So th- if you're burned out on it personally, the, the paying audience disagrees with you. Uh, so does Rich Latta. So um, at, this all ended up leading to... Um, you know, usage of the hammer. Uh, Kenny ended up kicking out of the hammer shot from Phoenix, which kind of like shook Phoenix a little bit. Um, just ended up with a Meltzer driver. Um, and you know, they, <laughs> uh, got, got the, got the win on that. Uh, it was pretty cool, uh, to see a Meltzer driver. I hadn't seen one of those in a, in a long time. Uh, the elite cut this to three to two as they get into the falls count anywhere match. That's going to be in Denver, Colorado. You'd assume your leader is going to tie it up three to three. And then we roll into game seven. I uh, can't wait to see that. This has been fucking hilarious. As I mentioned, uh, or not hilarious. This has been sensational. Um, Four and a half stars for me on this. Uh, they after the match, Pac and Penna basically attacked the elite. Uh, they bust Nick open uh, with the hammer. Phoenix had to pull Pac and Penta off, and you know we're gonna see game six. You know who, who's gonna step up here? So um, we had uh, some footage of last week MJF with with Danielson. Uh, they cut, had uh, MJF cut a promo, called him a gutless prick, robbed MJF his moment, blah blah blah. Um, then we got uh, Action Andretti. Uh, Jericho ends up throwing a fireball in his face. Uh, that was pretty cool uh, because he brings back the wizard. I like the wizard. Um, f- then we got a weird interview with Brian Danielson and Renee Paquette. Uh, Renee asked where the Blackpool Combat Club uh, s- stands following MJF's attack on Regal and Regal's attacks, uh, actions prior to that. Danielson said he doesn't expect uh, the BCC to understand. Uh, he said despite being trained by Rudy Boy Gonzalez and Shawn Michaels, they were in San Antonio, so name-dropping those guys got good reactions. Uh, and then the trainer who made him who he was today, the man who made him who he was today was William Regal, which the crowd gave a lukewarm reaction uh, reception to the mention of regal it's just like we don't want to hear about regal anymore um we don't want to hear brian nelson riding william regal's meat um i'd rather just see you take the fight to mjf at this point and they've done enough like i think for as far as like uh putting regal into the storyline i don't think it's something that adds to it anymore it doesn't make us really like danielson anymore uh i feel like he's kind of in a weird place like i don't need him to be drawing booze against mjf they'll figure it out because he's brian danielson but it is the real stuff gotta go at this point 
<coughs> excuse me so <coughs> the um you know Danielson said he cried when Regal was in the hospital there's consequences to the actions we got Ethan Page and Stokely Hathaway cutting him off uh we ended up <laughs> getting uh they called uh Page called Danielson a vegetable man um and we actually talked about uh you know his performances in the tournament and the battle royal um he basically uh Danielson did some comedy on Stokely's bald head uh and then Stokely Hathaway hit him with that um wait and exhale you raggedy bitch line I actually watched wait and exhale over the weekend pretty funny um and you know Taz laughed and everybody immediately clipped that for their social media and group chat usage they set up a match between Paige and Danielson for next week. So after that, they promoted uh, Casino Trios Royale. We are not going to cover Rampage this week. Um, I was I fell asleep watching it because, as I mentioned, I had COVID. So <laughs> um, from there, we got a hook squash. Yeah, it was cool. Um, then we got John Moxley and Darius Martin. Uh, oh, before that, um, they showed Stokely backstage. They had Big Bill and Lee Moriarty. They were beating down Jungle Boy, and Big Bill choke slammed Jack Perry into a dumpster. I do not know why you would ever record Jack Perry getting thrown into a trash can on video. I would never do that. Um, that is just like malpractice that that exists anywhere on on film to um, you know have to be used or anything. So he's got to come back hard from that. John Moxley fought Darius Martin. Just was not excited up for this match. Uh, and like we got to remember, um, Dante is coming back from you know a lot of time off, car accident, and all that. But Dar- uh, excuse me, Darius came back. Uh, Dante shined in a lot of these positions, like just wowing the audience. This one was not the match that I think Darius needed to have. I would keep investing in the young man, but uh, this match was just not the one. Um, from there, we got the gun club or the, excuse me, we got a book of Hobbs chapter. Um, these things are getting like goofier and goofier. I think at this point, um, he said when he was three years old, he saw his uncle overdose on the floor as a child. He was beaten, robbed, and he's been stabbed and shot. I'm like, bro, like this guy, like, like, bro, like, I, I just feel like what's he going to say next? Like what, what terrible thing else has happened to Hobbs? So, uh, I'm ready for him to get back in the, in the ring at this point. So, um, yeah, man, three years old, he saw his uncle overdose on the floor. He bro, like, I don't know what three year old is comprehending that. I, I don't know. I don't want to say he's taking liberties or anything, but you know, you know, what will he say next? What, 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 you let me know on Twitter. Uh, what do you, how, how bad did it get for powerhouse Hobbs? So, um, and none of this is designed for make to make us like him. So this is, this is just still keep him as a heel. It looks like, um, I don't know, man. Like, and it's funny. You see in some of these vignettes, he's walking around the neighborhood. You got brothers shooting dice and all, all that. They see Hobbs, and it feels like they're picking up the dice. Everybody's, you know, clutching their booty cheeks a little bit, and they're ready to hit a run for it. Like that's Hobbs there. So, like, you know, if this was like, I don't, I don't know. It's just to make him a big, scary black man. I guess that's that's it. You know, I, I don't think they're trying to make you believe in Hobbs necessarily. They're not trying to make you feel for the stuff he went through. It's like, nah, bro, like all this shit, this shit turned me literally, this shit, this shit fucked me up and I'm just hurt other people now. So 
don't know, man. After that, we got the Gun Club uh, fighting FTR here. So FTR got to be on television this week, and they lost to the Guns. Strange thing with this feud, I was watching something from 1997 on Monday Night Raw. This is so ironic. This feud is exactly like the New Age Outlaws versus the Road Warriors feud. Um, it was like this young tag team, brash, kind of maybe kind of in over their heads. Nobody really believes them credibility wise versus this older veteran tag team been around the world, well-traveled champions and they're, who they're calling old and they're going to get rid of and all this stuff. It, it is directly the same, like, you know, kind of things there, but this is fucking hilarious for so many reasons. In San Antonio, Texas, Austin Gunn was dressed like Brett the Hitman Art and Shawn Michaels. He was doing a sharpshooter on Dax Harwood uh, or Cash Wheeler, one of those guys, um, against FTR. Like, there was just multi-levels of trolling here from the Guns, which I enjoyed. There was a road to for this that I thought the Guns were really excellent in. I thought they kind of outshined FTR um, verbally in that um, exchange, um, but... Uh, FTR, like, uh, they slipped on a banana peel on this one. Gun Club rolled them up. And, um, it, and basically, you know, it wasn't a clean win or anything. But, uh, I thought it was a good win for the guns. Like, you know, and they're slowly kind of winning me over a little bit. I, I, you know, I, I know people that, that like the guns a lot more than me. I know people that like them a lot less than me. So I'm just kind of watching week to week and wa- enjoying their development. So, um, but as far as, you know, this could be a symbol of things to come for FCR. Last time they lost a match on Dynamite, they dropped a belt immediately. So, um, they do have a match against Dragon Lee and Drillistico in two days in AAA. Uh, for those belts, I think they're probably coming off of those. So we'll see. Um, after that, we got Rick Ross and Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee. And this segment was so many things. Um, I thought this was <laughs> the de- this, well. First, let's talk about this is the debut of the Mogul Affiliates group. Um, we got uh, Keith Lee and Rick Ross on the ring. Rick Ross um, basically. Uh, called Keith Lee a big motherfucker, like just randomly, uh, didn't get bleep by by the um, by, by the censors or anything. And this, from there, immediately kind of just went off the rails as far as the execution of the segment. It felt like there were time cues that that were kind of messed up, uh, and it felt like everyone was kind of just like waiting for the next thing to happen. And the camera was swinging in ways where it was like, okay, Swerve's finally coming out. He's cutting a promo, takes shots at, at Lee, is, is, talks about his health, talks about him not, you know, um, you know, basically being reliable and dependable. And they were shooting it in a way to where you knew someone was going to attack Keith. I thought it was going to be Ross that attacked him, but it wasn't. It turned out to be Parker Bordreau, who's been posting the same logo that Swerve's been posting on social media. Parker's physicality did not look good with Keith Lee. Every time he would punch Keith, he would go back into like some SmackDown, um, <laughs> here comes the pain, like taunt or something like that. I think he's got to really work on that physicality because if there's, um, you know, you look at like obviously Swerve's super experience incredible wrestler on his own the people that are gonna be with him uh if you know he looks like he's going to be like you know kind of a bodyguard of types or henchmen in this group or something your physicality has to be on point if that's not on point i think it all falls apart and this like 
this segment did not go over well with those attacks because those attacks, I think people were thrown off that it was Parker because the Trustbusters thing has not been explained yet. Um, and then uh, another gentleman jumps out after Rick Ross is just on the mic, kind of like make fun of Keith Lee, which is weird. Um, I didn't know if Ross had an aversion to like looking weak in the ring. Maybe like I thought this could have worked better if, um, if Ross kind of almost was in trouble from Keith. If he, he said something Keith didn't like, Keith kind of like backed him down and then someone jumped on him like that. But I think the fact that Swerve was on the mic, it kind of, they didn't really have a chance to set all that up. So um, they're doing a lot of things, trying to get Ross out of the shot. They're trying to get Parker in the shot. They're cutting a swerve back and forth. There's a lot going on production wise on this that I think threw a lot of this stuff off. But there's another gentleman um, when Swerve eventually fights off uh, Parker comes out forget his name at the moment but he jumps out with lots of tattoos for a baseball player he's been trained with Jay Lethal from what I hear. I hear the guy does have something so um, that remains to be seen um, he did not have it in this segment so hopefully uh, he, he brings it next time so at the end of the day it's Swerve uh, got two white men working for him so uh, and then Ross is kind of like the mouthpiece for this thing so I don't I don't know if Ross is there on an every week uh, type of thing or sometimes thing but I think putting Ross in a group who is a lot stronger in pre-tape promos and backstage interviews will be a great thing uh, for Swerve kind of outside the ring uh, as well as inside the ring like you know it's not every day you kind of get to link with a legendary rapper and I think um, you know Swerve's um, mission here is really appeal to beyond the wrestling uh fan here uh this is like you know we saw a lot of like people kind of came out didn't like this segment i wasn't the biggest fan of the segment myself but i you know can look at xxl posting it and different hip-hop blogs and all the all the um ig stuff and it's just it's breaking into uh other places that you know that I think, you know, any wrestling company would kind of kill for, you know, the people that drive social media, like are black people and they're, and that's just how it is. Like they set like black people set the trends in the world kind of like, you know, figures it out. So Grandin Goatsman, appreciate you. Um, Zach Saber, or black Saber Jr. Um, Grandin Goatsman was his name, but I think, uh, the mogul affiliates thing is a cool idea. I like the shirts. I'm going to be ordering one for sure. Um, and, I, I'm interested to see like where he goes with it. If they're going to add anybody else to, to the group, uh, kind of in ring wise, maybe give, if I could, you know, I know, uh, Parker and the other guy are young, but maybe another young wrestler that is kind of like a, uh, like a high work rate potential kind of guy. So I haven't seen either of these. Uh, I've seen Parker in limited capacities, never seen uh, the other guy, but, um, yeah, <laughs> so I'm being asked if I'm going to be the next member. I am not a high work rate uh, individual at this point. Um, I am someone who enjoys the high work rate. But uh, if the Mogul Affiliates uh, need some music, I'm one call away. Um, and I'm excited about the Mogul Affiliates. So, um, you know, I, I guess I'm an affiliate. You can say that. So, um, yeah, but as far as like, you know, as far as this segment, I don't think the segment was great. I I think there's definitely room to improve and you know i'm, I'm a trust swerve on this i always trust swerve whatever he, he he puts his heart into and his mind into he's gonna figure it out so not worried at all so after that we got the main event jamie hater taking on hikaru shida this main event was fantastic this is jamie hater's first defense with the championship and she just showed up like 
it was her time. And then Sheeta came out. Sheeta had new gear on. And Jamie Hayter was promising we were going to see 1990s All Japan Women's Wrestling. I don't know if we saw that, but it was damn close. Um, hella, hella near falls at the end. Uh, lots of striking in the beginning. Fast pace. <coughs> knees. Um, <coughs> suplexes in the corner. Moves off the apron. Um, and... If you didn't see this match, go out of your way to see this. Um, there's a lot of lazy narratives that we've squashed on this show about the women's division in AW. They're not doing this like on these big WWE shows, like with you know at a regular kind of occurrence. Uh, and this has been something like between the Storm and Hater back to back reigns. The the women's division in AW, the top of it, is turning in some really solid performances. With this match definitely being like you know the 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 class of it, um, as I mentioned, four and a half stars for me on this. And <clears throat> there was a Britt Baker spot at the end of the match. Uh, Britt comes in without Jamie noticing she was there, gets kind of taken out, and then that allows uh, Hater to basically take advantage, and um, you know ends up hitting her w- with the lariat, and then uh, she they like I said they did some great kickouts at the end, super near falls that. Crowd's just going nuts for this. Um, definitely high recommend. Um, and it was like they got the main event spot and they were going to kill it. So, shouts out to Jamie Hayter and Hikaru Shida. But, yeah, man, um, the last thing I guess uh, we're going to go ahead and do is hit the music. <laughs> Yes, I hit the music for myself on that one. Uh, that, that's, that's not rare that that happens. Uh, we're going to hear it talk about Stardom real quick. Um, we have a, the, a very big show. It's kind of like Stardom versus Outsiders um, in this show. A lot of, I think there were like mixed, a mixed reception to the card or some people that would have wanted more for such a <coughs> big show in this year. But um, this, you know, you, you look at this card here and what we've got. Uh, we got uh, we got a Stardom Rumble that's going to have Rina, Hina, Lady C, Miyu, and, Mik- and Masaki, Wakasukiyama, Yuna Mizumori, uh, Tomoka, um, Saki, uh, Fugiken, Death, Chairman Ram, uh, Super Stardom Machine, X, XX, and more. So we'll see. Uh, the Rambos are the Rambos. Pink Kabuki returns, so we got Mina Shirakawa and Unagi Sayaka return to stardom. Uh, she'll be taking on Maya Sakurai and Tekla of DDM, so that should be a good match. Uh, we got the Triangle Derby, Derby Prelude with Mayu Watani, Hanan, and Momo Kogo taking on Hozuki, Kaguma, and Saida. This is a get everyone on a card show. Looks like got a number one contender for the three way uh, or three way tag number one contenders match. Excuse me. We got Mirai and Ami uh, of God's Eye taking on Micah and Nameka, and then Nasco Toro and Raka. Um, this could be Micah and Nameka's to lose. So uh, I like Mirai and Ami, but uh, I, I feel like we're still on a collision course with um, my Hime and um, uh, Meltier. So up next, we've got Kyrie versus Utami Hayashisha. This is a non-title match. Kyrie um, is the IWGP Women's Champion, of course. The loser of this match will have to wear their rookie gear and make their entrance with no music or any kind of theatrics, and they're going to have to run to the ring. So, um, 
I don't know what's going to happen on this. You know, I I don't want to see Utami lose the fly gear, but it seems like she might have to lose it. Not a fan of that personally. So um, I'm looking forward to the match. This should be hard hitting. And um, they've had some interesting um, press conference stuff. So definitely check that out. Um, definitely want to see that. We got the high speed championship. We got Zumi versus Hikari Shimizu from Colors. Um, yes, I did see that actually. Unagi did an interview saying she's going to be in America during WrestleMania weekend. Uh, she wants to appear for several promotions. And um, hey, bring, bring her in, promoters. Uh, definitely. Like, I'm not going to LA, but if I was, I would definitely be trying to see the eel. So, Azumi has had this, um, had this belt for quite a while now. They are basically lining up. You know, the Joe Lewis bum of the month. I'm not calling uh, Hikari Shimuzu a bum or anything, but it's just like, who else wants someone to zoom me? That's what's going on here. So, up next, uh, and I, it seems like, you know, she's keeping that warm for whenever they have her fight Tekla because that's, I think, what the match everybody's looking forward to seeing. Up next, we got a hardcore match for the trios uh, championships. We got Saki Kashima, Momo Watanabe, and Starlight Kid taking on Risa Sarah, Suzu, uh, Suzuki, and uh, Harumi, uh, excuse me, Kurumi Hiragi. So, this match, like, you know, if it's a hardcore match, we know whose match this is. Like, this is Risa Sarah's style match. This is Suzuki's match. Um, Saki, I'm not really sure if Saki wants to do. The, uh, the the weapons and all that like she's trying to hit you with with the crucifix and get you out of there. Momo's about that life. I'm sure Starlight Kid's about that life, but um, I'm not gonna call a title title change here. But I wouldn't be shocked by one. We got the um, tag team championship match. Natsupoi and Tam will be taking on the winners of the tag Stardom Tag League, Nanai Takahashi and you. So why you you? Um, this should be interesting. Um, I hope Nye beats the shit out of Nasapoy and gives me something to laugh at. Um, and, you know, these it's going to be like these small, like, little girls against, like, these big monsters. So, this could be violent. Um, but Tam and Nasapoy will bring it. Like, they ain't, like I, t- I talk a lot of junk about Nasapoy and Tam, but they ain't no punks. So, um, excited for this one. We've got the World of Stardom uh, Championship match. Um, it's going to be Sai Kamatani defending the white belt against Haruka Yumasaki. I don't know much about her, but um, she's kind of being trusted to step in this spot with Sai Kamatani. Um, I, I trust Big Sai or Tall Sai in these positions, so uh, I don't think she's going to be dropping the championship. They're not going to switch the white and the red um, two years in a row on this at the same show, possibly. Uh, it looks like they're going to avoid that. Sai will retain here. And then our main event. The match that the year has been building to, the rematch of, I believe it was in March, if I'm not mistaken, um, Shuri versus Julia. And this is a really, really, really big match. Uh, a match so big, we put it on the wrestler of the, the match of the year list before it even happened. Um, I think this is uh, it's Julia's time. Everything has been building up for her. I think the Western fans are really like in mass kind of ready to see what Julia can do with it. Shuri's had a phenomenal run. She's best women's wrestler in the world. Um, she could stand to drop the title and maybe like drop down the car just a little bit, maybe jump over into that IWGP women's um, division at some point, maybe jump in tags uh, or the trio division. 
you know, take a take a small rest, take a bow for what you've done this year. But um, this red belt match, this is built for Julia. I'd be shocked if uh, if Shuri retained or if they even went to um, a, a, a a draw or anything. I don't think we're getting a draw. I don't think we're getting Shuri winning. This is Julia time, baby. So. Um, you know, Tam Nakano gonna have to watch that. You know, uh, anybody, uh, anybody that don't like Julia gonna have to watch that. Uh, yes, I think I might have to write a eulogy for Shuri's reign. Indeed, Black, Black Saber Jr. Um, but yeah, man, um, I appreciate you guys rocking with me uh, throughout the, the this show uh, today. This was a show where it looks like we're clocking it in just over two hours here uh, by myself and um, you know this was a difficult show to do because it's a lot of award stuff and James is still in the air so he should be landing pretty shortly here and um, you know it's it always fun uh, to do One Nation Radio uh, with James it was cool to do it this week but um, don't count on it doing it by myself all the time uh, if you guys enjoyed the show please let me know I like to hear such things um, you can reach me on Twitter at richlatter 32 you guys know where to find the shows on the network make sure you are downloading the this show from uh the the uh the one nation radio feed uh make sure you check out the rest of the shows on the network we got keeping a strong style uh one nation radio of course uh, all things elite um we've also got uh my man danny with his shows uh we've also got my man sam brown with the archive of the aw match guide generator or excuse me I'm conflating the shows. We have Sam's show, the AW Match Guy podcast, which are evergreen shows. So check those out. So, um, yeah, make sure you guys uh, keep rocking with us and we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll have James back on and he'll let us know how Japan is going. And I will continue to recover from covid once again and i thank you guys for always uh listening to the show this is the last one nation radio of the year so maybe i'll get a little sentimental right here maybe i won't but i just want to thank you guys for uh, your continued listenership of uh this show and this is we celebrated 10 years this year uh on the air and it's, it's, it's almost feels like we're still scratching the surface because there's so much more that you know we can do and accomplish and you know, just keep cultivating. And, you know, I have a great time hosting this show all the time. And it, it really brings a lot of light into, um, you know, the, my, my everyday life. And, um, I think that, you know, it's really cool that you guys, you know, continue to rock with, with not only James, but myself, um, you know, week by week, month by month, whether you're in the discord talking with us, uh, if you're, uh, member of the Twitch chat. I appreciate you guys hit us with the bits, uh, for sure. Ones in the chat, all that stuff. And, um, it is, uh, it's an honor and a, and a pleasure to keep bringing you, um, th- this show. Um, and I just, you know, thank you guys very much and, um, hope you guys will listen to the FOH draft, which is, um, you know, the, you want like we get unhinged week to week on this thing but that shit is is like that shit is gold make sure you get the foh i'm gonna pop it in uh, at the end of this so uh make sure you guys have a great week be safe over the the new years um and uh, like there's a lot of um you know don't don't know what can happen on the new years but uh 2023 one nation radio will be here um so we'll holla at y'all uh, and we closing out 2022 peace